It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is director Chris Buddy, whose new documentary, Inside the Edge, a professional blackjack adventure, looks at the world's elite professional blackjack players who have beaten casinos for millions of dollars while trying to evade casino surveillance and local law enforcement. The film is distributed by Gravitas Ventures and is available on Blu-ray DVD and video on demand through most cable and satellite providers, iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and other platforms. For everything about the documentary, Follow Blackjack Movie, all one word, Blackjack Movie, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Ira. How are you? Good. You are a filmmaker and a brand storyteller. You've done many documentaries, and you've worked for a lot of clients. What brought you to this project about a unique, focused world, a professional Blackjack player, and he's concluding his Blackjack career? We call him KC. He's traveling the United States from casino to casino. You're following him, and you're using interesting technology, which we'll talk about as well. But what brought you to that project? It's a great question. I think when I'm ever assessing a documentary of something, a project I want to do, I look at a couple things. And the two main ones are, do I have access to something, and can I add something interesting to the story? Obviously, there's been blackjack books and stories and movies that have been told. And luckily, when I was in college, I ran into KC. We became good friends. And his background unfolded to me throughout the course of a few years that his father was a innovator of card counting, playing a professional blackjack in the late 50s, early 60s. Casey himself, as I first met him, was kind of starting in on his career. So I was always kind of hearing his stories and his exploits in the casinos and traveling around in Vegas and various places. And I always knew that it would be a great story, his story. And he's a, he's a really engaging person, sharp as a tack and, and fun to be around. So I took a lot of convincing because he's a private person and obviously the nature of a professional blackjack player or any, anyone trying to beat the game, uh, they want to remain under the radar. But I, as I saw his career kind of wrapping up uh, and I saw that he was going to do this tour around the country in an RV, I said, let me jump on board. Let's see if we can get anything good. And then I, well, I think we got a really compelling story. And he, you know, a little push and pull, but he finally said, you know, my blackjack career is pretty much over and uh, let, let's put the story out. Uh, and a pretty, pretty fun story to follow along. Well, you had the advantage, obviously, of having access to him since you knew him from before, so that's half the battle. Exactly right. Yeah, and we were good friends. You know, I don't think, you know, he trusted me to kind of come at it with a very, you know, respectful approach and and with a wider scope. So I think, you know, he also had seen a few of the documentary films that I had done. But but all that said, I don't think this really would have worked if if it was someone I didn't know as well. I mean, we were in an RV together for the better part of a year and a half, uh, and then we brought his two dogs in along the way, too, so we were really packed in there. So it was very informal and kind of a winging it at times. So I don't know that it could have been done any other way. So was it for you a crew of one, or did you have an extra help somewhere along the line? So along the way, I, I had producers, and we had different cameramen and audio people as we were doing a lot of the bulk of the formal documentary interviews. But I just jumped in right away on the RV with three cameras and a button camera to capture some of the in-casino stuff and some audio equipment myself. So really, just the, the, the journey was just myself and him, and I did the filming. 
and, and everything else. And I think, too, the fact that you were in the RV with him during that time, it forged even a closer alliance. He knew he could trust you because he realized what you were shooting. And he could even look at what we like to call in the movie business, as if I'm in it, uh, the rushes. <laughs> <laughs> and so he could see what was being captured. Yeah, that too. And, and I think kind of just the, the informal way in which I would talk to him, if, if something had happened, we'd come back in from a hot streak of cards or a big loss or, or something exciting had happened. He'd come in and, and, and really you can be talking to me as opposed to the camera. So it's, it's, it's a really informal, intimate portrayal of, of his exploits. We mentioned earlier, and I'd like, because we always assume, you and I always assume that people know, or my guests usually assume people know certain terms, but I always figure a lot of people may not know it. What exactly, when you said a button camera, what is a button camera? I guess it's a camera that looks like a button, but just to, I'll let you clarify it for us. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I figured we'd get into it because it's not very commonplace, quite frankly. So I, I realized also when I was kind of formulating or fomenting the documentary, if we could do it, I, I needed to see what happens in the casino. How does the casino react to these pros who are beating the game legally, I think I should add, and kind of what does that uh, relationship look like in the dynamic. Uh, so I very quickly found these high-resolution button cameras, which is literally just a, a small little recorder that was smaller than my cell phone that would fit in the pocket, hardwired, tethered to a camera, as you said, that literally looks like a button. So I ripped the button out of one of my dress shirts and put the camera in, and I kind of sealed it or uh, uh, held it down with a, with a strap. So I always knew I'd kind of have a rough, vague area of where I was shooting. And we ended up capturing a lot of great stuff that I don't think people have seen before uh, in casino interactions with, uh, with the elite professional gamblers of the world. In those kinds of situations, since you're filming in a way that is not generally observed by casino security or surveillance, and you're also interacting, or he's interacting, with KC is interacting with different people, player, other players, dealers, uh, casino executives, etc., What's the, um, I don't know if the word is legality of it, but in other words, what do you do when you're capturing somebody on film, they don't know they're being captured on film or tape or digital, and then you're using it in a documentary? It's a great question, and it, it, it was the, the, the final major hurdle of us releasing the film. Uh, we had to have the film vetted by a number of lawyers, it's, it's clearance counsel, so they look at all your risks and, and see, and, and we did a pretty good job. I mean, really... We did not. I'm, I did not want to be disrespectful to to anybody. I mean, any even a, even if someone who's maybe a jerk to us along the way, I just wanted to present everything as fact. I was a fly in the wall. So uh, as I said, the, the the film was vetted, and we also took very great lengths to blur out a lot of people, uh, mainly just maybe other players in the background because you know I don't want to. It's a very you know if someone out of the casino they they have every right to their privacy. So we blurred. We changed some uh, many voices of casino personnel. And with, along with our legal team, we feel pretty confident that we're well in uh, the line of putting it out there, distributing it. So as an example, if you were interacting with, or Casey was interacting with a casino executive who had a name tag, you would blur out the name tag too? Absolutely right. Yeah. And that happened many times with the security that would throw him out of casino <laughs> yes. for winning. Yeah. You, you talked about his dad, who obviously in those days, the card counters were always battling the casino people. It's a little bit more sophisticated these days, clearly. But was Casey also dealing with some of the same dynamic? In other words, card counting by itself is not necessarily illegal. It's just that casinos look askance, I should say, at card counters, if that's how they're playing blackjack and winning. And so are the dynamics the same as for his father, or is it a totally different generation, therefore new technology, etc.? Well, I would say... 
it's an interesting question. I would say the dynamics are similar and what that they deal with are it's human interaction with the casino personnel and they're the same, I mean, script, very same script, back them off, kick them out. You're, you're not welcome here. What is different and which is a little, made me a little more at peace is that because the, the town and casinos in general are vastly different from when they were. I mean, now they're all owned by corporations, major corporations. You're, I mean, no one's going to get out of line, you know, and take you out to the desert as might've been the case. Uh, in the early 60s when, you know, it was a little more lawless. So I always felt safe. I mean, I always felt comfortable in, every, in any casino I've ever been in. I actually love casinos. But yeah, I think, so sorry, long, long story short, I think the, the dynamic is similar through what they both went to, but just kind of in a different setting, if that makes sense. Yes. And what I also think too, for example, the difference between then and now in one level in the casino is that a lot of people, especially with the advent of cell phones these days and iPhones and cameras, is even in the mid-80s, early, probably to the mid-90s, you weren't allowed to take pictures in a casino if you were just a casino customer. And that has changed dramatically. I think you're right with the institution of publicly held corporations owning most of the casinos. Not all, mm-hmm. but most of the casinos. There's still some privately owned ones, but they, sure. they are pretty relaxed about that in general, with, with exceptions. So you're, you're coming in and you're Clearly, you're not advertising the fact that you're shooting a documentary. When Casey comes into the casino and you're with him, they, I'm sure, know it's Casey, unless he's doing what they used to do, which is try to put on disguises. Did he do that, or was, was he always Casey? No, he, uh, he had a great... Uh, he, he is a master of disguise, so if you look at the film, you'll see, I mean, from, from any town to town, he looks completely different. It's, it's amazing. I mean, even just a little facial hair tweak, and it's... Uh, he, uh, he he went to pretty good lengths to get back and, and, and play. But the interesting part of it is that no matter what his look was then, I should have probably reversed my question because Chris Buddy always looked like Chris Buddy. So <laughs> you're... Yeah, you know, that's a really funny story. So going back to the button camera, I only had two shirts that were the same shirt, which I had ripped the button out of. So in any... So yes, as I went in with him, they started to take note of me and take my picture. And I was kind of a known associate, uh, if you ever look at these uh, Bolo, the Be on the Lookout flyers that go out with his image on, you know, careful, this guy's in the neighborhood and he's a sharp card counter. So, yeah, so my pictures went out and I'm always wearing the same exact dress shirt, which people must have thought I was insane. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could have done three or four instead of just two and probably it would have been a little bit more fashionable or yeah, more exactly. uh, varied in that sense. It's so funny when you mentioned about Be on the Lookout. It wasn't as if he were a serial killer. He was simply a card counter. It's funny, you're right. I mean, I, I felt the same going in, but as I, as I kind of got immersed in this world, you realize these casinos, don't, they don't want to lose a penny. You know, they're, they, they've got their finances down to, the, to a T of what they're going to give, what they're going to comp, what their, their threshold for losing. Uh, even in the sports book, you know, the, the, the way they move their lines, they, they, they're pretty, uh, they're, they're, they're well-oiled machines, and they, they know they don't want to lose a cent. When you started out on the project, and as time went by, did you find that there were certain patterns that repeated themselves in terms that you mentioned earlier about human interaction, whether the casino was a large casino or a small casino, whether the town was a little town or a big city, were the human interactions pretty much the same? Uh, similar, and, and, and similar in certain categories of intensity. So, you know, there would be, I mean, again, I think it's fair to say, to say again that it's human interaction. And you're just dealing with people. So if there's a, I mean, I hate to uh, paint someone in a certain way, but there, if there's an overzealous security guard, not that high paying, and this is his one shot to kind of 
force some authority upon someone. They might get a little out of hand, and I've seen it many times. But for the most part, you know, the pattern would be, if it, and, and, and as said in the movie, not my own thought, that the relationship between a casino and a card counter of an advantage player should be a cat and mouse relationship. You know, you know what we're doing, we know, and you know, and, and so forth. So uh, I think the, the main pattern is they realize Casey's winning, why he's winning. They realize, they, they assess him as a card counter, and they come up very politely and say, listen, you're welcome to any uh, amenities of the casino, the restaurants, other table, uh, excuse me, other craps, anything else, poker, but no table games. We're backing you off. Uh, so that's the, that's the most polite version of that story. Others rush in and kind of try to get you to a back room. That certainly happened to us many times, as you'll see in the film. So uh, I like to look at it as, as a kind of a, a friendly game. I think Casey might look at it a little different. He's been in it a lot longer and, and seen the worst of people. But, but yeah, it's typically a, a back off. And then, you know, but the other thing to remind, remember, too, is a lot of these players that make a living doing this. So they'll push the envelope a little bit, as we mentioned before. They'll shave their mustache, they'll put on a hat, put on a wig, put on glasses, and come back into a casino they've already been backed off. And that's when the casino will read you the trespass act and say, if you ever come back, you'll be arrested on site. Regardless of how you look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, we, if, we, if we spot you, you're, you're, you're going away. It's an interesting life and obviously hard work, and yet both Casey and others do this year after year after year, was there some emotional or psychological component to these kinds of players that you discovered in your documentary? Majorly. I mean, that is, that is almost everything. And that's what I kind of wanted to do. I wanted to create a character study of someone who can win at doing this. And I would say a number of things. One is they're very competitive. They want to win. And I think they enjoy beating the casinos. It's a, again, it's a cat and mouse game, right. and they're coming out on top. The other is, so just a, a, a very broad sense, card counting is very simple math, but under kind of a high intense situation where someone's watching you, a lot of numbers are coming out, there's a lot of stakes, the uh, pit boss is talking to you, someone's asking for your drink. So you've got to do this kind of simple math and multitask. So all these guys who do it well are very good at that. So that's another thing besides the, the competitiveness. Let's take a break. My guest, Chris Buddy, is director of a new documentary, Inside the Edge a professional blackjack adventure. It looks at the world's elite professional blackjack players who have beaten casinos for millions of dollars while trying to evade casino surveillance and local law enforcement. The film is distributed by Gravitas Ventures and available on Blu-ray, DVD, and video on demand through most cable and satellite providers, iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and other platforms. For everything about the documentary, follow Blackjack Movie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. You think you know Vegas? But how much do you really know about this neon city? See the dark side of the bright lights at the Ma Museum where you can explore how a tough little town transformed into a gaming metropolis with a little help from organized crime. You won't find these stories of lawbreakers and law enforcement, mob bosses and prosecutors anywhere else. The Mob Museum in downtown Las Vegas. More information at themobmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with director Chris Buddy. He's got a new documentary out, Inside the Edge, a professional blackjack adventure. It looks at the world's elite professional blackjack players who have beaten casinos for millions of dollars 
while trying to evade casino surveillance and local law enforcement. The film is distributed by Gravitas Ventures and available on Blu-ray, DVD, and video on demand through most cable and satellite providers, iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and other platforms. For everything about the documentary, follow Blackjack Movie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we talked a little bit about the surveillance and security people in the casinos. What about local law enforcement? I mentioned that in the intro and just now. Did KC come up against local law enforcement occasionally? He did quite frequently, actually. And, and, and it depends on where you are. Oftentimes, though, they're very quick to side with the casino. Sometimes they, they're completely objective. Uh, I'll give you one quick example. Sure. I don't know if you know that. Oftentimes, advantage players have an issue of when they get kicked out of a casino and they have a ton of chips, is turning that chips back into cash and, and getting out of the casino. Oftentimes, the casino wants to usher you out with the chips. So you're kind of stuck with these chips, and then you're forced to either call a gaming commission or local cops to kind of get the, the, the money back. So that happened to us a number of times, and sometimes the cops were sympathetic and, and said, this is ridiculous, we'll, we'll walk you in, we'll get your money. And other times, and, and I will, will add that it's rarely is there ever a slap on the wrist for the casinos. So, you know, I, I think casinos are, are a huge entity in a lot of towns, right? They, they bring in a lot of business and, and they're great. Yeah, but, uh, especially, you know, so, uh, especially tax revenue. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah. I think, you know, why, why, I would side with them too if I were. Well, I would, if I were, if I were KC and you and you were with him too, I know that he couldn't send you back in, but clearly you could get somebody to go in and for a little fee, bring all those chips back in and cash it in, somebody that they didn't That's know. That's interesting. I don't know the legality of that. I don't know how, well, I know that he would. I mean, I don't, if you're, if you're looking for tips out there, I know he would bounce around cages and he would even go to the poker room. Just cash in. <laughs> I was just curious. I mean, I would I would come up to a stranger and say, "Hey, look, you know, we'll give you ten percent if you just bring these chips in and cash them for us, and we'll hold your license till you come back out or whatever." Oh, that's I, a good idea. Yeah, yeah. that's a, a good amount of trust with well, the money that he was walking around with. Well, I, just a thought. I mean, not that I have a criminal yeah. mind or anything, but I just was thinking about that. Good idea. <laughs> so, how long did it take to complete the documentary? Are we talking six months? Are we talking four months or more? Oh, we were talking years. So okay. <laughs> We were on the, so I began filming his, the end of his, I'd say, Las Vegas career when he was getting completely backed off of Las Vegas. And then he decided to make the, uh, purchase the RV. So we're in the RV for about a year and a half. And then once that was done, I went about the actual business of making a documentary. I got all the supplemental interviews with the historians, other uh, famous players, other, you know, authors of, of Blackjack Note to kind of round out the documentary, uh, casino personnel, surveillance people to really get that wide scope of the documentary. And then editing was a nightmare. I mean, we, we overshot. We shot, I shot about 900 hours of footage, which is ridiculous. So you left, so a lot of, you left a lot of digital blood on the console then. Oh, yeah. Some of it you, you whisk right away. I mean, it's just not, you know, nothing. And then you really do have to cut a lot of really great stuff to, to kind of... It's, it's a good problem to have, but it's, it's not easy. And we had a really great editor uh, who edited the film. So worked on one of my favorite documentaries, Hoop Dreams, uh, which is a famous Chicago basketball movie. Right. One of the best documentaries ever made. Las Vegas figures prominently in the sense that this really is the epicenter of gaming. So as you mentioned just a moment ago, he was kind of winding that up and then going out in the RV. From Casey's point of view, did he always look at Las Vegas as the big kahuna, so to speak? The big enchilada? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, he spent, yeah, absolutely. He spent, uh, he spent most of his career playing in Las Vegas and he's a, a Las Vegas resident to this day as well. So Las Vegas is home to him, and uh, and as you said, it, it is the epicenter of games and gambling and, and, and entertainment. 
So, yeah, I mean, it's always been, I mean, in anyone's mind, I think, I mean, this is no stretch, but yeah, uh, Las Vegas is the number one thought when I think uh, casinos and gambling come to mind. You were talking about after shooting the initial raw footage, starting in Las Vegas and going cross country, you then talked to historians, experts, other players, and then you had to put it all together in that, in that bloody editing process <laughs> that, that happens. Were you surprised by any of the interviews you did outside of the raw documentary part? In other words, um, of something you discovered that a gaming expert told you or another player shared with you about either the psychology of a professional blackjack player or just something about the casino's attitude toward professional blackjack players? I think what I was most surprised at, and unfortunately we couldn't use, you know, as you said, left a lot of blood on the editing room floor. I mean, every, to be honest with you, every interview we did was about an hour, maybe more, and uh, it was gold. And we had to really, maybe well, there'll be a there'll be a DVD out, outtakes or something one day. But yeah, director's great cut, even yeah, yeah director's cut. I think a lot of the great stuff that really surprised me was their own personal stories of of kind of similar stuff that Casey had gone through, but their own stories at different casinos and and you know, being abroad and trying to get money out of a a country, you know, just these wild. So, I mean, these guys really, they push the envelope and they live a hilarious, like unbelievably dedicated lifestyle to, to beat the game and become successful. I mean, every story was just so fascinating to me. It was really a shame that I couldn't include all of them. Well, there's something consistent also, I would think, between your subject, Casey, and other professional blackjack players. When I say consistent, either from a mental attitude or a psychological attitude. In other words, when you started to talk to these other players and your experience with KC over that period of time traveling, were there traits that they shared in common in terms of their attitude, for example, taking risks, willing to battle the casinos, et cetera? That is a great question because it's spot on the money with these guys. Money is the biggest X factor. I mean, you and I could learn this potentially if we dedicated ourselves. I liken it to learning a language. that You really got to immerse yourself in practice. But it's the comfortableness uh, around money and losing and winning money. They don't see all these guys that I profiled and that are at the elite upper, maybe less than one percent of people who do this. They are very they're, they they're willing to take risks, but they understand the risk in that uh, they know that this game. You know, I might freak out if I have to do a certain hit or stand on a on a whatever. I can't. You know, seventeen. Right. These guys just know it's par for the course. That, that, that this has been analyzed a billion times, and it's just math. And they do. I think they're really able to control and check their emotions when high amounts of money are on the table. Whereas if it were me, I'd have my rent check out there and be <laughs> these, guys, right. these guys can really kind of temper their emotions and, and just they, they look at it in a really neat way. In order to have that attitude and the way they look at it, do you also see between Casey and, and his fellow professional blackjack players that they have not an obsessive view of their career, but I guess I'm going to approach it from the other end. Is that their whole life? In other words, are they able to have a balanced life with a family, uh, with other interests, et cetera? Or is it, are they so focused that this is it? I've found that they can balance. I mean, certainly when we were in the throes of when I was filming, Casey was on the road full time and he kind of put everything else in his life on hold to do this. And I think he saw it as his last hurrah. He had been very successful at uh, the game of blackjack and said, you know what, I've got a lot of expected value still out on the table at all these casinos and I'm going to make this trip. So in that sense, he put everything on hold. And the guys I've talked to, they're 
also very successful business, and they're successful in other walks of life after they're kind of, I mean, I, think, I, I feel, and I may be wrong here, and I, I may be generalizing, but a lot of these guys have a, have a heyday when they really are immersed in it, maybe in their younger years, but always continue to have some kind of involvement in the game of blackjack or gaming, uh, but are also very successful. And Casey, Casey himself has moved on to other finance and business ventures, and his father as well, who was started his career out gaming and is uh, also the world backgammon champion, and then also was moved on to, to be a success. So I think it, it's funny that the skills that these guys, these blackjack players have, translates to other kind of other businesses. Or sure, other, 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 yeah, other endeavors. It sounds like, now, now don't get me wrong here, Chris, but it sounds like what you described as those traits of professional blackjack players could also apply to documentarians. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I, I'm certainly uh, willing to take risks if it's a good story, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, money with documentaries, you're always scrounging. And, uh, well, yeah, but you think about it, look at it this way. You, you gave up the rest of your life for a, a while to be on the road in an RV doing this project. Oh, that's true. Maybe the passion, my passion for storytelling. Might yeah, that might, yeah. For, yeah. Uh, that's a good that's point. Fair. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> when it was all done and you started showing it to people before it was released officially or publicly, what was the reaction of people? I'm sure you gave a, a little preview to certain people to look at. Was it uniformly positive? Did they say, well, this was, it was mostly great, but there's this one section that you should have also covered. You know, there's always the, always the backbenchers, so to speak, criticizing the guy that's out in the field or in the arena doing this stuff. Certainly. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, when I, and it was funny because in parallel tracks, well, I mean, if we want to get into the nitty gritty, I mean, you always show a movie to people too early, right? So I started showing it to uh, documentarian um, colleagues of mine at a rough cut stage where it's maybe two and a half hours long and it's boring. It's almost un- unbearable <laughs> to get yeah, through. I um, understand. <laughs> so, so once we got to that, yeah, so once, once we got to uh, my editor, myself, and my other producer got to the point where I think we had, you know, this is pretty good. This is, you know, tight, really fun, really engaging. I'm, never, I'm not bored. And I've seen it a hundred times. Uh, yeah, I saw, what was funny is I started showing it to more documentary and, and film colleagues of mine and KC, which I think is more important. And what I really was hoping for was he started showing it to his contemporaries and they liked it. And then what I started hearing, which I really liked, is this really turned me on, which I was hoping for, is that they all said, my God, this is what I try to explain to my family and friends that we go through. And hopefully now I can show them this documentary and they'll get it. And that, made, that was like very uh, rewarding to me. That, that they, they, they bit on the documentary. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because that way somebody spoke for them to their family to explain this strange world. It's a strange world. I mean, yes, yeah. I don't think unless you see it, because so, me and you can sit here and talk about it and say, oh, you know, casinos don't want to lose. Like, but, they, you know, it, it gets wild out there with, with what everybody does on both sides, the players and the casinos. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, did you, get, did you show, did you preview the documentary for any casino folks, and what was their reaction to it? You know, that I had not done because, <laughs> uh, you know, this is, I would say this is like the love letter to the advantage player and not necessarily the love letter to the casino. Right. But I would think guys in the industry would find it fascinating, even if they're on the other side. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they'll, I mean, I think, you know, there also is the sense, as I mentioned before, I kind of mentioned in the bad light, but I'll put it in, I'll spit it in the good light now. You know, I think there is a, again, to go back to that cat and mouse relationship, I think there's kind of a funny, at times, I'll, I'll say there might be a fun you know, we got you, kind of, you're at, like, right, a wink, and right. like, nice try, but we got you, yeah. and we, we busted this guy, get out of here. Um, I like that. I think that's, that's a fair kind of aspect of the relationship. Yeah, no, I would hope uh, casino personnel dig the movie, too. And I think that both sides have a, if not a mutual respect for each other, they, they certainly can understand 
each side? I would hope so. I, I got to be honest, I didn't see it as much. <laughs> I may be wrong, which I've been in the past, so that's great. Well, this sounds like a fascinating documentary. My guest has been director Chris Buddy. His new documentary is called Inside the Edge, a professional blackjack adventure. It looks at the world's elite professional blackjack players who have beaten casinos for millions of dollars while trying to evade casino surveillance and local law enforcement. The film is distributed by Gravitas Ventures and available on Blu-ray, DVD, and video on demand through most cable and satellite providers, iTunes, Amazon Prime Video, and other platforms. For everything about the documentary, follow Blackjack Movie, all one word, Blackjack Movie, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Chris, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun talking to you. Same here. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Bring us your fantasy.